this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Ziak and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode. Thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. And Jay, let's break out the fanfare. It's union member time. First time. First time. That's exciting. Breaking, breaking in, breaking the mold, breaking the seal, whatever you want to say. Uh, we're cracking open the uh, the casing, and we're releasing from his from his. Uh, is, we're like a little over on the twelve months. It's a little more than twelve months, but uh, that's how the, it's. We got it in twenty twenty three. Let's just be thankful that I was able to <laughs> get it all in in the same uh, year. Welcome to the first time for the first time to the show, Michael Jins. Michael, how are you? Good, good. How are you? Great. Uh, so you are in Sydney, which is what fifteen hours ahead of us. I think yes, we, it's we figured just, that. Yeah, yeah, it's just gone one o'clock in the afternoon. Oh wow, you are way ahead of us. <laughs> so yeah. I, I'm kind of over with the time part. I. I my mind can get around that now it's the season thing that i still can't wrap my head around so you're in summer now michael um yeah coming into summer i think whatever november yeah yeah well it has to do with the tilting of the earth jay no i get it i get the physics my brain just can't comprehend summer in december right it's uh, well yeah it's yeah it's it gets hot (laughs) it's like 77 i think today not Celsius, right? Fahrenheit. Yeah, no, 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 no. Okay. I, I thought I'd sort of check up what we're doing, Woo! but it's like my twenty-eight. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that would have been bad if it was seventy-seven degrees Celsius. I feel like you might be on fire. Um, definitely indoors. So, without further ado, share with the audience your inaugural patron pick. Okay, so I chose Sigur Ross's second album released in 99 called Our Guide Asperian. Um, that's a loose pronunciation. Uh, yeah. Um, when did you discover this record? Was it when it came out or later? Um, I read about Radiohead's tour in 2000 um, when they were touring whatever massive album that was um kid a and yeah and and read in a magazine that they'd gotten this icelandic grip and i thought oh so that's interesting the only other icelandic person i know was on the sugar cubes and bjork mm-hmm. um so yeah so i bought it um listened to it maybe four or five times and uh did not get it at all <laughs> I, I, not like I didn't realize. Like, well, I know that like with this album, that all but one of the tracks where there's singing, it is sung in Icelandic. Um, and track eight, Olsen Olsen, is sung in a made-up language, but Mm -hmm. um, I hadn't 
bought anything like this before, like something like it just different language and just did not get it. And then six years later, when they released their fourth album, Tark, um, that changed everything. And then I went back um, and then got it. So, so yeah. Interesting. Yeah, the they sing in Icelandic, but also in their own made-up language, which is called Vanlenska, uh, which is basically gibberish. Yep. And um, I will be honest, I cannot tell the difference. I, well, no exactly. offense to the Iceland, Icelandic folks, but I couldn't tell what's going on. Yeah, it um, it's not having to concentrate on what the actual words are takes away or adds to the experience. Like you don't have to listen to what you know. You, it you, there's a, a disconnect, so to speak. Yes. Um. So you just sort of everything, every sound is on an even. Uh, playing field with what you're hearing so yeah yeah and to be fair i don't know what jeremy enoch is singing a lot of the time on the first couple of sunny day real estate <laughs> albums and i'm pretty sure on on the pink album lp2 he is just singing gibberish and some songs uh I, that's not a joke like those were like demos and he never actually like f- fully formed lyrics uh so there's some stuff that it sounds like words. You're like, oh, that's a word. No, yeah. it's not a word. It just kind of, it's just kind of pieces and parts of the syllables and and uh, and whatnot. Um, Jay, let me ask you: Had you listened to this album or this band before we uh, re- got into this review? I didn't. What well, you know? What I had listened to this album, but uh, there was a song on here that sounded awfully familiar to me. Uh, I definitely had heard the band. Um, I think he had seen some live clips of them over the years and had an idea of what they sounded like and what they were about. How about you? I had never listened to a single note, which is weird because I was way into Radiohead at this time. And if I had seen that they had were taking them out on the road, I probably would have gone and sought that out. But I just never did. Um, however, when I started playing this, you know, I was, I was sitting on my computer uh, working and I had it on the speakers and Katie came in and was like, oh, I have this record. I was like, you do? <laughs> <laughs> no idea that she had this album. Um, so she got it sometime. I don't know if it was when it came out or after that, but uh, she was into this band and has this album. She's like, oh, I remember this. Yeah, I remember these songs. It's like, that's a bold statement. That's because... I mean, I guess they kind of make an impression that makes sense, or the the song titles do, uh, if you're not uh, familiar with them. Um, so, yeah, I had no, absolutely no idea what the band sounded like. Oh, okay, wow. What they, what anything was with this, with regards to this band, I knew that they were Icelandic, and I thought that they wrote everything in gibberish, which is not oh, true. Okay. Like some of this. So I thought there was like elves and like maybe this was like like Middle Earth stuff. <laughs> like I thought maybe there was, there was like a lot more... of buzz about this band. I mean, yeah, at the time when they first I know when they first kind of 
came out and toured with Radiohead, I remember there being a lot of buzz. The guitar player, I think, plays with a bow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just, uh, I thought maybe there was like a Middle Earth, uh, Tolkien, Lord of the Rings, combat, you know, some something some going on people here. dancing around a tiny Stonehenge. Yeah. You know, like a, like a, like a combination of Spinal Tap and Led Zeppelin and <laughs> that kind of stuff. So, uh, I didn't know. I, 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 I dropped the ball on this one. Um, just for the heck of it, you know, as if this, the, the fact that it's in a different language isn't difficult enough, the follow-up record after this is just two brackets is the title. <laughs> I mean, come on. That one is completely in Valenska. So it's just uh, Yonsei just uh, singing usually just one syllable, you know, like vowel sounds or just whatever whatever he's making up. Yeah, right. every song is untitled. Yeah. On, the, on that record. Oh, my gosh. Are you serious? Just yeah. Not well, even they, untitled they one, two, three, four, just untitled. It's just one untitled, two untitled, three untitled. Oh, my goodness. And then they have, like, the made-up words with an alternate meaning on Wikipedia. So yeah, so I I feel like this this might be an episode of Punked, and this band is made to mess with me, considering I have <laughs> such a difficult time pronouncing things. I feel like this yeah. is my Waterloo when it comes to that. This is my like somebody somebody's after me because every I look at the all the album titles and I'm just like, <sighs> just yeah, I'm having like fever dreams of failing my spanish class in uh, seventh grade <laughs> i don't know how to conjugate that verb i don't know uh but let's get a little history a little uh about the album and the band history of the band the band formed in 1994 um look I'm not going to be able to pronounce anybody's names really well. Um, let's just go with. Well, wait a minute, Michael. You were you were pronouncing some of them. So uh, for this record, who who do we have? We got uh, so so singing is uh, Yonsi. Yonsi uh, on bass is George. Well, I'm just going to say George. Um, Looks like George. Drum drums is Ori. And on keyboards and occasional other guitar is I'm gonna stuff this one. Um Cartian. Sure. Let's go with that. I <laughs> I saw George Holm and I was like, oh my gosh. They got one guy whose name I can pronounce, but then he goes by Gogi. Uh yes. G-O-G-G-I. And <laughs> what's funny is the picture of him on Wikipedia makes it look like he is in like Old old crow medicine show or or a member of the um of some banjo picking bluegrass group like he's got like a a like a bowler hat on and he's wearing yeah. like a, a white shirt buttoned up all the way to the top and a black vest and I'm like what are you, is he trying out for the for Westworld like what's going on here it's very I don't know what's going on uh but that just must must have been a random pick he is the guy I I 
found out that does most of the interviews because he speaks the best English. So when they need to do interviews with like, you know, UK and US press, he's the guy that they talk to, George. Yeah. Um, so yeah. this yeah. album came out in June of 1999 on Fat Cat Records. I believe that was their US album. That, and then they had um or, or label and then they had an indie label in Reykjavik that uh is goes by the name bad taste but that's just the translation of the label title or label name this is the first with the keyboard player and the last with this particular drummer ori came in as the drummer after this album some of the songs we'll get into it but they're like uh, one of the songs can, has back masked parts from a different part in the album. Yeah. Um, and one of the songs is uh, the, the, in the string section, it's a palindrome. Like the, the strings play forward and backward the same way. Wrap yeah, your mind and, around um, that. Track three. Yes. Um, Star of Fool or something like that. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> How do you wait a minute? Wait, wait. You mean the note pattern? I guess yeah. so. Yeah. Okay. Well, it just it, it just increase it just um, ascends and then descends. And then the album cover we, artwork was uh, was written was done with a ballpoint pen by um, Gatti Bernhoft. And uh, really, that's a lot of blue ink. I guess so. The field of blue with, with a white. Maybe he used a white pen on a blue piece of paper, Jay. That wouldn't be a ballpoint, I don't think. I don't know. Does the ball have to be blue? I mean, I guess it could be technically, but I would think of like a blue ballpoint pen. If you just say ballpoint pen, the classic blue big pen. So this actually it, it peaked at number 24 on Billboard's top independent chart. Um, and it has sold 227,000 copies in the U.S. as of 2008, so it's probably more. Um, and it's sold over 400,000 copies in all of Europe. It was there was a 20, 20th anniversary deluxe edition with live performances and rarities, like demos and and such. Yeah, so let's get into the comments over at Patreon. We'll share the poll results at the end of the show, but. Uh, we got some comments. Kyle Bittner said, without a doubt, this is a worthy album and was my introduction to the band. While I don't like it quite as much as bracket album, um, it's beautiful. <laughs> you missed I, Tim's. I, I, if you're not on the video, you missed Tim's hand gesture. I'm doing this. I'm like two <laughs> brackets. Uh, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful and haunting listen. Um, Andrew O.C. said, "It's I've almost suggested this before. I tend to like their next two records a little bit more but this is for sure a worthy album. And then he also said, I should have picked this would have paired well with Guar, Tom Waits and material issue. <laughs> well, that covers a lot of ground. It does cover a lot of ground. Jason Pan said such an incredible soundscape informative record for me in my early adulthood using its Icelandic release date to sneak into the nineties podcast feels like cheating 
But gee whiz, this was an eye-opening record for me and what music can be. So love to hear what you guys think. I didn't really consider that. But yeah, this was technically a... It wasn't originally released in the United States. I mean, it was a, a, you know, a band that was not really well known in the U.S. And it had to get re-released um, after it started to get some buzz. Uh, obviously, going out with Radiohead on tour for Kid A, which Radiohead in 2000, 2001 was like the biggest band um, in the world, I would say, in terms of people keeping track of what they were doing and their tour selling out and you know, there, there wasn't really anybody like that at, at that point. Um, in terms, also in terms of just like, <laughs> I mean, think about, you know, the progression of the Benz. We've talked about this before. The Benz, okay, computer to Kid A. Kid A is a very weird record to be like touring the world and selling out stadiums in retrospect. Uh, at the time, it was yeah. like, oh, I guess this is where music's going. Well, I, I, we talked about the Palo Alto episode, but this is another band that falls probably in the category of like, you know, either influenced or was helped aided part of that post radio head sound, mm-hmm. which covered a lot of ground, everything from like super accessible pop oriented things like Palo Alto and Coldplay to things like this that are much more challenging. Yep. So let's get into it. Let's talk about the album. What's it called, Michael? Al Goddess Birian. Jay, tell me one thing you liked about this record. It's a gorgeous layered sound. I mean, it was mentioned in the comments. I'll just echo that. Uh, It's very dramatic. It's very atmospheric. But it is melodic. Uh, It is emotional and dynamic. You know, it's not just atmospheric and sort of droning or, you know, moody. You know, it does have some real crescendos. Uh, and at times, you know, a little bit, you know, conventional strong song structure, structures, which I was a little surprised by. My impression of the band hearing, you know, some things here and there was that every song was going to be pretty, you know, unconventional in terms of structure and a melody may or may not be used and was expecting it to be noisier and it's really not, you know, it's layered. The guitars are, you know, very delayed. I think he's playing with a bow. So everything has got swells, you know, it's a, it's a very, um, I guess surprise, at least some of the material surprisingly accessible. It's not, overly difficult to jump into some of these songs. I think the record overall can be, you know, a bit more challenging as a whole, but I was kind of surprised at some of the songs here, just fairly straightforward in terms of, you know, intro verse chorus, middle section, verse chorus, outro, you know, which I, I, I liked. I also liked, cause it, it mixes in with some other others that are more challenging. So you get a nice variety. The other thing I thought worked really well, throughout the record was that they did a re- they do a really good job sh- shaking up or changing how they start songs. So even though you're sort of in this very, you know, slow tempo, you know, everything's kind of longer songs drawn out, a lot of swells and slow movements. 
they do a nice job of like starting every song with a, a different instrument. You know, you start with organ or you start with piano or you start with like clean guitar picking or drums or saxophone or a Fender Rhodes at one point. Like they do a really good job of kind of transitioning from one song to the next, but also giving you something new to pull you back in as each song begins, which I think is really important for a record like this. Um, we've reviewed some other records that are kind of more on the atmospheric side or abstract side. And when every song starts the same, at least for me, it's a big challenge like to re-engage and know where I'm at and what's going on. I think this album does a really good job of, of keeping things fresh and like pulling you back in kind of letting you get absorbed in it and fade a bit and then pulling you back in with different tones. The other thing, going back to the, um, sort of the song structures, not always being experimental, sometimes being conventional. There's also some, just some melodies here that are surprisingly hooky, like some vocal things, um, track two, for example. falsetto i don't know how to describe it it's almost like a little howl or something that he's doing but it's the hook of the song and i found myself like recognizing that like i had heard it before but then also not able to get it out of my head like as i'm walking around the house that unconventional hook is like is in my brain which was kind of surprising this is not an album i expected to be walking around the house humming or hearing uh in my head but there's definitely some moments on here that work that way which i thought was really um unexpected and effective so that's some of the stuff that worked for me what worked for you tim well this was obviously for me a a pretty um big surprise because i really like post-rock ambient um you know dreamy shoegaze-esque stuff that is um mostly instrumental and the fact that i had not <laughs> heard this before it, i'm kind of kicking myself uh because yeah, I, I i absolutely love I it listen to it i was like this is right up tim's alley right and i you know just after just enjoying the uh andre 3000 <laughs> um new age uh flute album <laughs> is the strangest sentence of 2023 um <laughs> to move into this i was like oh well this is the way the world's going now it's flute albums and and uh <laughs> you know new age uh, ambient music but no this is like like listening to this i felt um calm 
I don't know how to describe it, but like there's this feeling that of calm that um, falls over you listening to this record, or at least did for me. It's entrancing. Um, his vocal, if you set this to like the James Webb telescope images, it, I, you would probably have a, psych, a, a psychedelic trip. Like it is so huge sounding. That's the thing that I think is so crazy about this is it's still just four musicians making music together. It sounds like it, it could be an orchestra. There's so much stuff building up in these songs. Rarely does it sound to me like a, like a band, like on track six, bam, bam, bam. You mentioned that Rhodes, like it almost has like a, like a soul Rhodes bass sound. Like, do yeah. do do oh, it's, it's very like uh different. It's a moment in the rockery, like, whoa, yeah, I exactly. Like I'm, a, I'm either in a funk on a like a solo album or an 80s cop show, yeah. And it comes out of nowhere, and you're just like, what is this the same record? But it doesn't, it doesn't, um, it doesn't seem out of place when you hear the whole record then and you hear the how that song unfolds like with a lot of songs they start one place they build they move in different directions are some things which are a bit more traditional in terms of you know like track two you mentioned it jay there's like a hook in that song and i know i know that's not the words it sounds like he's singing it's you yeah but he's yeah. not because it's icelandic mm -hmm. but to me like even though it's a 10 minute long song it doesn't feel 10 minutes because of that hook is so the hook itself is probably a minute long Mm -hmm. and he goes through it like three or four times that it's it it bends time i don't know how to describe this record other than it reshapes time when you're listening to it and folds it in on itself as if you yeah. were going through a wormhole from one end of the universe to the other i, I was just, surprised when i went back and looked at the times mm -hmm. that these songs were as long as they were yeah it didn't they don't feel that long which is really hard to do right i mean go back and listen to our library of reviews here we're often saying oh this song's too long this song's too long but yeah i i think you're you're onto something there it's it messes with your your perception of time for sure 
Um, and then I just want to end with one day, you know, I work from home. So I just, rather than stop, you know, playing the album once through and then doing something else, I put it on repeat. So the album would just loop throughout the day. And I, and as I would just like walk in on out of the room or, you know, go do something else and then come back, it would be in different places. Um, and I was able to tell like, Oh, okay, this is that part. Like it doesn't necessarily mush together, even though it is, know for the most part slow and very deliberate i could i could find the individual pieces and and i didn't necessarily know where they belonged but i knew that i knew them if that makes sense like i didn't go oh this is on olsen olsen or this is on n battery i don't think that's how you say that but it's it's as close (laughs) my battery well, yeah. my battery it translates okay. to new batteries um i thought maybe maybe that was a cutter cover of metallica's uh, battery but it's not uh it's uh slowed it, down. <laughs> it's slowed down yes it's backward masked battery by metallica you just don't, you just can't <laughs> tell um but no like there are i mean it's weird to say but there are hooks in these songs they're very subtle um and it works so yeah it was um i do want to mention that when they put out the deluxe anniversary edition it was a seven vinyl album set which seems appropriate for this record and for their live performances that they would take seven albums to get through about one record of uh you know the album and b-sides and yeah rarities and and all that because uh there is a lot here to digest this is not something you can i mean you can put this on in the background and listen to it but if you want to like understand it you gotta like give it one good pay attention listen and just let it like kind of take over and then it'll start to like make sense as to how it all fits together Michael, what works best for you on this record? Um, what I, I mean, just the, like track two, just like thinking, you know, that the hook that you, you said, like that was when I first listened to it a few times, um, that was the one song that stood out the most um, just because it sounded like it was English, but it, it wasn't. Um, but what, when I, you know, got into it later on with the further albums um, and hearing what, so he's playing a a guitar with a cello bow mm-hmm. drenched with reverb, like, and before before this I never kind of understood reverb that much, but hearing it with the way he plays and which he, if he's just using the bow, because he sometimes does pick, but um, he's always playing like it's all long drawn out. It's slower. It, it hits, I mean, slower, just, I don't know. I, I interpret it on an emotional level. As opposed, like it just it does. It is just calm. I find it calming and sort of soothing, 
and it puts me into a headspace, um, a karma sort of headspace kind of thing. Um, and it's the keyboards um, and like taking turns between like the bass and the keyboards and the drums with playing whatever patterns they're doing that adds, like it's just the layering of the construction of the songs. Um, but, you know, nobody was doing cello bow as a main theme um, in anything um, as a band. Um, so, yeah, so it, it just, it, it made me, readjust my thinking about music and you know what's possible and you know i hadn't necessarily gotten into 10 minute songs um but just how they construct songs and um but yeah um track seven um vid rebel Loftarossa. um there's a when i first saw them live um they played this and in on the track at about 5 45 um there's this part where everything Yonsei finishes a, a phrase and then the song kind of starts to decrease in volume and die down like this sort of like um like a delayed effect or just you're hearing the reverb sound just decay when they would play that live they would do this pause where the sound like they would completely stop and there would be silence and that silence can go for, and it depends on the vent or just what they want to do. Um, but, you know, like 10 seconds, 20 seconds. And there's, I think, a concert in Boston in 2006 where they silenced for 40 seconds. And I'm not sure if you've been in a concert where a band has tried doing that and there is silence. It just adds to the experience. Um, but just doing, just doing things differently, just something completely different to the music that I was listening to. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's wild that anybody would get away with that in the United States. Cause I assume somebody would start screaming in well, the middle of that silence. Yeah. Cause yeah. we have a hard time. <laughs> we have a hard time silence go. not, not taking the spotlight. Yeah. <laughs> what, was, you go. Well, I was, you mentioned that when you had first heard this record, it didn't work. And you sort of worked your way back later in the catalog. Yeah. Sort of like, can you talk a little bit about like, how do you think when what you changed? first heard it, what wasn't working, what made it difficult, and like sort of what changed? Uh, the language, not, not, not getting that it wasn't in English because mm -hmm. I, I don't think I'd ever had, um, I hadn't listened to anything in another language before um, at all. And so it, it didn't, I, I didn't appreciate being drenched in reverb, using a cello bow, not singing, like it just all that, that sort of, you know, non-traditional um musical um styles i hadn't gotten into post-rock um until later on um in 2000 i think um i read a review okay. with about uh robert smith um with his blood flowers album and how the bands the 
Mogwai. Um, their album, I think, was Come On, Die Young. I could be wrong. Um, but that had inspired him, and I thought, okay, I'll give this band a go. Um, and it was just a sort of slow burn of listening to just instrumentals, you know, 10-minute instrumentals, um, and just seeing just, you know, people trying different things, just not doing a three-minute pop song. Um I didn't get their Brackets album when it came out, but I got the Tark album in 2005. And after about four or five listens, I had a, this is going to sound odd, um, an adrenaline <laughs> release. I'm not sure how else to explain it. Um, I can only mm-hmm. sort of describe it as when I was 19, I won a, a car in a raffle and it cost me $2.00. And I got a an adrenaline rush of happiness or enjoyment or just shock, pleasure, just that. Um, lasted about three days. Um, wow. I, and I got this from that album um, and then became much more obsessed uh, with this band than I probably should have. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's it, it just... just doing things differently utilizing different like because there are other like um instrumental acts that i've gotten into like a little bit of explosions in the sky um there's a japanese four piece called mono Mm -hmm. um who do um but they like using um delay a lot like long stretch out delay and looping um and uh, reverb but just, I don't know, from listening to music for, you know, several decades, um, I don't mind a good pop song, but I'm looking for different things now. We should probably... One, one of the, oh, go ahead, Jay. One of the touchstones for me on this, just in terms of, like, how I oriented myself to the record as I was experiencing the first couple of times, was uh, the the... Swedish version of some of the cat albums. You, I was gonna bring them up too. There you go. Like, I don't know. There was something. There's a similarity to the language enough mm-hmm. and the vocal style that like some parts of this record to me sounded like that stuff, and it just it helped my brain orient around. Like, okay, get kind of the vibe of this and some melodically where it can go, and it just helped me load it up a little bit faster. I think. Did you? I know you've. Uh, we've reviewed Kent. You've listened to Kent a little bit. Did you have that same thing, Tim? Yes, I absolutely thought, man, his vocal sounds like the guy from Kent. Like not yeah. in the terms of language, but just in terms of his tone. Like there was the highs that he was reaching at times mm-hmm. reminded me a lot of. I don't know what the guy's name is from Kent, but it, it reminded me a lot of that. Yeah. Um, I I wanted to say, you know we've talked about this being a post-rock record. We haven't really talked about post-rock a whole lot. And I, you brought up Mogwai, Michael and um, explosions in the sky. And, and there's, I guess we should probably define that a little bit um, in go. terms of what that is for people who don't know. Essentially it's, it's, it's experimental rock, but it, you're taking away the like basic structures of rock music. Like you're getting rid of, 
the you know four measures of the verse and then you do the chorus and then you do the verse again and then you go back to the chorus and you have a bridge and then you have another that kind of thing like you throw out all of those forms um a lot of it is credited going back to the kraut rock of craft work like the repetitive feel of that um motor tick sound that they created or, or were known for um and then add in you know the ambient sound of like brian eno the droney stuff that velvet underground would do um dub stuff like that so you're kind of taking all these like non-rock things and then using them with you know this is essentially the setup of a rock band you got a guy playing electric guitar guy playing bass guy playing drums another guy playing keyboards and singing like they they could be a rock band except they completely obliterate all of the conventions of what rock is and that's what that whole scene is is just kind of getting rid of all of the constraints of what a rock band is and and going off into avant-garde experimental um sounds um and there's some bands you know like there are bands that use post-rock like deftones use post-rock as a part of their sound but they're not a post-rock band like their instrument their instrumental passages might get real droney might get real um unstructured but they're still fundamentally a rock band um Bowie, you know, messed around with post-rock stuff on his on his um albums he did, like Low and stuff like that, and Public Image Limited and those kind of bands. Um, so just in case any, because we'll have to do a post-rock uh, roundtable at some point in the future for a future genre roundtable, because there was a lot in the '90s, at least a, a lot of stuff that was called post-rock at the time, like Stereo Lab was called post-rock and Tortoise and we've talked about Bowie electric and they kind of fall into this um, mm-hmm. sound as well. But then there's bands afterwards, like Godspeed, you black emperor. And you mentioned mono Michael. That's another one. Um, Daddy three. Yep. And uh, yeah, dirty three would be in there. Um, uh, what was the other one that one? Oh, gastro del soul was the one with um, uh, Jim O'Rourke. Who did was like did a lot of producing in the nineties and two thousands. So anyway, I just wanted to get that out there. Jay, is there anything that doesn't work for you on this record? Uh, the falsetto sometimes, particularly when um, the vocal. There's a couple tracks on here where the vocal is like really like on top of the mic. So you, it just confronts you with like, I don't know what this guy's saying. He's singing this falsetto and like, I can hear all of the mouth stuff going on. It's like ASMR. (laughs) (laughs) That uh, I did. I didn't love those moments as much. I like kind of like when the vocal is like pushed back a little bit or Mm. just operating as another instrument and not forcing it to be intimate and confront a language I don't understand. <laughs> um, and then I felt like it, I didn't, I don't love the the way the album ends. I think is it Agatis Birium 
the second to last track it, it's funny it's almost like one of the more conventional songs on there in terms of like a band format like guitar picking piano bass drums regular snare drum there's no like crazy strings or other instruments going on but there's something about it it's almost like too conventional it's a little bit flat for me hmm. and then the last song is just so like distant it's hard to grab onto much in that it just feels like really abstract um that last know. track um avalon yeah. is so track number three so that's so avalon is a portion of that song slowed down oh wow a very small part so there's a there's a part during that song where uh yonsi's voice it's just yonsi's voice and a guitar strumming sound that's that's avalon slowed uh-huh. down Got mm-hmm. it. so it's a quarter sound quarter speed yeah i think if the yeah for me if the album ends with olson olson i i wouldn't miss the last two tracks That's a little bit of what doesn't work for me. Anything not work for you, Tim? I agree with you. I mean, the last track is kind of just a an editing trick. Like it doesn't. I don't think it adds anything to the record the way that the original version of that does with track three. Could um, be like an inter- interlude or something. Yeah, or like a quick little interlude or something. Or a funereal march. Yep. Yep. And um, yeah, and if you're not like you know in the mood for this. Uh, 71 minutes is a bit long. So I agree with you. Like the last two tracks are not to me I uh, uh, necessary if you are just want to get to the meat of the record. Um, Olsen Olsen would be a fine closer. It has, I don't know how to describe it, but I mean, it gets like orchestral, even though it's just the four of them. Uh, it's It sounds like uh, when, they, when they're, in the, like the last couple of minutes of that song, it sounds like a, a marching band almost, but through marching band through a, through a haze of reverb and, you know, uh, delay and all that kind of stuff that's going on. And um, it's, it, you know, it's, you gotta be in the right. My only really thing is you gotta be in the right mood to listen to this. If you don't want to listen to this, it's not gonna, yeah. it's not going to work. Um I- I also found it for me probably better as a passive listen. Although, like I said, when I was really, you know, actively engaged with it, taking notes, really analyzing it, as I found myself fading, like I mentioned, like 
it does do a good job of like varying up the sounds enough to pull you back in. But I did find it pretty enjoyable to just kind of like let it play as I'm doing things mm-hmm. and just have it repeat and like definitely start to pick up on stuff and just kind of let your brain process it. Even if you're not totally focused on it, it seemed to work really well. But yeah, I, I guess the other thing I, I walked away wondering is like, I, you know, okay, I enjoy this. Kind of get it. Do I really need to listen to another album? Or is this pretty much it? You know what I mean? Like, is, is, are all the, the other one. albums basically going to be like this? And like, do they do anything else that's really warrants like needing to listen to another album of theirs? Was sort of my impression I I had as well. That's a good question. I don't know. I mean, I, I would kind of like to sample some stuff going forward and, and seeing how it because I agree with you. Sometimes like one album for a band can be like the ideal, like, oh, yeah. this is it. And the other stuff is like, oh, it's all good. But this is the one that like I want to come back to uh you know over and over again. It has everything that I want from the band, sort of thing. What what is um marissa called it the platonic ideal like it's it's the it's the it's the band it's the album that you would introduce people to the band and also the your favorite record like sometimes your favorite record is not the one that you would introduce people to with the album well let's ask michael i know you you were kind of constrained here you had to pick something from the 90s but is this the record that um you would hand somebody as their first listen or is there something else in the catalog you'd recommend instead um i'd probably go for the fourth album tark um that's just a personal favorite it changed it changed how i listened to music and has kind of veered me away from uh from listening to um vocals um I try to focus on everything else underneath it. If I'm, if I'm singing along to a song, I'm not paying attention to everything else underneath. Um, the album after this, the brackets album, um, you probably don't want to listen to cause it's their darkest album. There's only eight tracks, but they are majority of them are all long. Uh, there's not as much variety. Um, it's a lot slower. It's a, it's a mood. Um, <laughs> but yeah, mm-hmm. the, the, the Tark album I kind of find um, leaves me feeling very optimistic. Um, the last song on that ends on a the, the chord that it finishes on. Um, it, it doesn't feel like it, it it didn't resolve the song, and that's what the album finishes on. Um, that that's that's how I interpret it. But yeah, the the Tark album I'd probably go for um first, then this one, and then maybe Valtari, which is from two thousand and twelve, and maybe their new one, which came out this year. Um, it's got some nice songs on it, but they're all slower. Jay, I don't know if you remember, but one of the songs from this record was used in the Life Aquatic with Steve Zazu. Do you? Do you remember hearing that in the movie? It was a track two. <laughs> no, it was track three. I don't. Uh, yeah, they one actually of them was used in, in what one was used in um uh, Vanilla Sky 
as well. I'm not sure if it was track two or track three, but yeah, there were a couple of movie um, soundtracks that they gave songs to. Talk has like a they they must have a good placement person because Talk has a ton of placements in like the Wimbledon used it and Top Gear and Formula One and uh, video games Prince of Persia E3 and wow. um just like a, a a ton of of uh placements so. Yeah. I guess when you're looking for, you know, really dramatic instrumental music, they'd be a good good band to turn to. Cuz yeah. Even though they are are wildly successful with critics, they're not selling 2-3 million copies of each record. So I mean, they're not you know, the the record sales are not keeping them afloat financially. Uh the way that like a big selling band that can move a lot of units and also get critical claim. They're not. They don't have Radiohead numbers. I think well, like they're probably better off with the placements. To be honest. Yeah. True. I'm sure they make a lot more money from placements than you do selling records. Especially then things like video games that get used and sold a lot, or mm-hmm. commercials, TV, movies that get played over and over again. So maybe not a bad idea to 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 have either uh, nonsensical or no vocals in your music. Um, one of the songs from talk was used, uh, in this, in the movie Eurovision song contest, the story of fire saga. I remember that with Will Ferrell and <laughs> yeah, yeah. uh, Rachel McAdams. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they, they use the song from this, from talk in that, which makes total sense. Absolutely. But like that album, that sold thirty thousand copies the first week it came out, which is great for that for this style of music. But thirty thousand copies in two thousand five doesn't even get you a, on the radar in nineteen ninety five. Nineteen ninety five, you're selling half a million copies or four hundred thousand copies your first week if you're a successful record. You know, if you're Pearl Jam, if you're Soundgarden, that kind of thing in ninety five, and that got him to twenty seven the billboard 200 in in 2005 so 10 years made a huge difference in terms of how the how you know mp3s played a difference in album sales and that kind of thing uh let's talk about our overall ratings on this record uh were the album better ep decent single i'll share the results of our Patreon poll in just a moment, but Jay, where do you land on this behemoth, this 71 uh, minute and 43 second record would be a double album on vinyl, but it's a single CD. I'm at a worthy album. I honestly, I wouldn't have guessed it was that long <laughs> and you never, how often have I said that on this podcast? No, nah, six billion never. episodes. I don't You've never you've said that. Me say that. I checked. Um, it's kind of amazing in how, like you said, it warps time. Uh, I'm not saying it flies by, but I wouldn't <laughs> have guessed it was 70 minutes. I thought maybe it was more in the 50 range. So, 
you know, if I'm if I'm producing this record, you know, I encourage them maybe go ahead and just cut the last two songs. But um, it's a it's a great passive listen. You know, as you get more comfortable with it, you sort of activating the age with it. It gives you even more. Um, you know, it's unique. It's it's post rock in the pure sense. It's it's pretty compelling. So worthy album for me. Where'd you land, Tim? I agree. This is right up my alley in terms of the huge instrumental post-rock sound that they're doing. Um, it touches on, you know, ambient music. It touches on um, this big, dreamy art rock sound that's in some ways, like, uh, <laughs> whenever I listen to I think I like Pink Floyd songs, but whenever I listen to a whole album, I, I kind of like, I never got into Pink Floyd and I, I, I'm like, I wish Pink Floyd had an album like this. That was less with the talkie talkie and more with the, the big yeah. musical sounds. Um, we, we've, the other thing I thought about too, is like, even though there, you know, there's vocals all over this, but we've reviewed other albums and other albums came up in my playlist after listening to this where musically maybe it's you know in the ballpark but the vocals mm-hmm. are either unnecessary or unlistenable so i just think they did they do a really clever job of like one you know when they're singing other than some of the false set stuff, I'm not a huge fan of, but it's fine. Like there's nothing wrong with it. It's not like out of key right, or poorly sung or something like that. And then I think combining that with like this either Icelandic, which I don't understand or made up language, which doesn't really make any difference to me. It takes us to this other place where then the vocal is just an instrument, um, which I think completes the concept. Yes. First, doing something post-rock, but then having a vocal that's trying to sing and isn't very good. And it's just taking away from the band. Mm-hmm. Michael, this is probably uh, uh, the least surprising response we'll get, but well, what do you, where do you land? Where the album better yeah. be your decent single? Uh, where the album, um, this album, this music makes me happy. Um, on a different level to anything else that I listen to, but now reflecting back on all the other music that I listen to, like um, this just hits a spot um, like nothing else. Um, it sounds like outer space to me. Like if the aliens landed, not that I believe in aliens, but the aliens landed, they would probably want to listen to this They'd be like, what do you got? Get some records for us. We'd be like, check out this band. And they'll be like, oh, this is cool. This sounds like outer space. This is where we're from. Outer space. Because we're the aliens. So I I just think that this is just an enormous sounding record that is unlike. I, I mean, there are other post-rock bands, but they don't sound like this. This is just so huge. Whatever reverb pedals they have. Oh, it's a processor. Uh, I, I gotta. I want to know what their what what uh, Jonesy's uh, guitar pedal setup is. 
because that is enormous amount of reverb. He must have them chained together, just like six reverb pedals, reverb after reverb after reverb, going it's after. Just <laughs> I'm I'm more compelled by the uh, playing with the bow because mm -hmm. that is something in concept <laughs> works better than in reality. If you've ever heard Jimmy Page play with a bow, it doesn't sound great. No, it can sound really <laughs> so bad. I can tell like what he's doing to actually make it sound good. I got to imagine you have to use different strings than just your standard. Like if he's, he's playing electric guitar, it feels like that type of string would be really rough for the bow. Yeah. There's you would need more like a nylon string. Mm -hmm. Like a violin has. Yeah. They, he uses... Um, wax on the uh, bow um and also the strings and depending on like i i have no idea how his guitar is tuned mm -hmm. um if it's like i don't know if it's a like an open tuning kind of thing or i don't know drop d or just standard tuning um but he's he's aiming you know he's it's it's not going to be a guitar so a traditional kind of guitar solo it's just going to be like a long drawn out um depending and also like depending on how the intensity of how like gently or hard you're pressing down with the bow affects the sound quality um absolutely. and also being absolutely drenched in reverb um getting all these other harmonics you know just all just that yeah yeah, the wax makes sense too to get rid of the attack. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I'd be because he plays a Les Paul from what the pictures that I've seen. I think he's got some custom guitars too. But there, one of the pictures I saw, he was just playing like a Les Paul, which, you know, Paige was, I think he was playing a Les Paul when he was doing those bow antics in the 70s too. Although he had a lot of guitars. I mean, he had that double neck and. Yeah, um, it was like more of a gimmicky thing. I but wonder like, if he if Michael he's said, bowing all the strings though, like well, no, 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 like that. That's why I thought like if he's like dampening one string and is if he had like drop drop D tuning, if he's just um getting like an octave sort of sound. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I uh, I yeah, I. I should try and find out what his uh what his tuning is but it, it it it's usually just like it's not necessarily too many chords it's just individual notes uh i found an article and it says that um is a guitar with a seymour duncan 59 pickup uh and he plays like a standard tuning he also has a, a fender jazz bass and um he's got a couple different options he plays through uh a, just a marshall jcm 2000 and a mesa boogie vox ac30 i mean these are like standard rock and roll amps but he's doing stuff okay here we go uh he's got a duo of m35 tc electronic reverb processors he has no delay in his signal chain um he has reverb multiple reverbs he has a looper um 
volume pedals, which would make sense. You'd probably want a volume pedal to swell and, you know, uh, yeah. mess with that live. He's got an octave. Oh, no, that's the bass player. Um, Let's see. Uh, the volume pedals the other way. He's probably dampening the attack because that's what made that's why playing with a bow on a guitar sounds so bad as soon as you hit that string you're like Argh! yeah but if you kill that with a volume <laughs> pedal and the wax and you fade it up you just hear the notes the part after that you get rid of the attack which would make sense mm-hmm. the reverb is set to cathedral which if you've ever messed <laughs> yeah. around with with pedals and stuff like that <laughs> that's about as much reverb as you're going to get that's the setting you put it on. You're like, oh goodness, I would never use that. Yeah. <laughs> One reverb on Cathedral going through another reverb with Cathedral as well. Yes. <laughs> That's all the reverb we have, folks. Next, <laughs> see you next time. It's all out. We sold it all. Uh, Michael, thank you for bringing this record to us. I want to say personally thank you because I had never listened to to this before, and I am now very happy that I have listened to this and I can add this to my listening um portfolio and this will be definitely stuff i'll be listening to going forward we've um, got you on record now michael we're, we're, we can start to try to figure out what your next pick's going to be oh yeah uh okay <laughs> you know we try to figure <laughs> out the, the trends like what or what or people's preferences some people have some uh you know or particular sounds other people are all over the place so we'll need a second one for uh for verification to, in order to move forward with our predictions, are you going to keep down the post rock road, or are we going somewhere else? Hmm. Um, yes, probably somewhere else. Okay. okay. All right. Some, well, something we'll different. A material like issue. Uh, Guar. <laughs> Although Andrew OC already took those. Uh, now, I mean, there's more records you could go to, but uh, we'll look forward to it. And thank you for being part of the union and. Um, you know, supporting the podcast and, and we look forward to uh, whatever you got in store for us next time. Um, I do want to mention that uh, if you'd like to be a patron like Michael, uh, you can go to dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com to join our union. You can vote in the polls like the one for this episode, which by the way, Hundred percent. I forget. I failed to mention earlier, but hundred percent were the album. Oh, nice. So, not surprising Dang. based on the that comments. That doesn't we happen got. very often. No, but when when people like a record, it's usually like one vote against or two yeah. votes against. Usually, we have some dissent. Right. No, there was no dissent on this one. This was everybody lined up behind Michael's pick. Nice. Um, but if you'd like to vote in polls like this one for this episode or in our monthly tournaments where we pick album or we have albums picked by our patrons, which are suggested through digmeoutpodcast.com. You can go to like aforementioned dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. It's also where you can read the box newsletter, which comes out every week with a calendar of new releases of 80s, 90s, and aughts-relevant music, books, movies, TV shows, all sorts of pop culture paraphernalia. Paraphernalia is not the right word, but I'm going to go with it. Um, Plus reviews of new releases, roundups, 
we're we're trying things out with uh, with the computers, making them do the work for us. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how that works. I'm on the I'm on the manual labor side of this of this whole deal here. I <laughs> I push the buttons to make sure the radio the shows get edited, and Jay makes the magic happen on the on the back end with the with the um, with the robots. We've actually replaced our intern Steve with a robot. Looks a lot like Johnny Five <laughs> from Short Circuit, but he just rolls around Jay's house. <laughs> Why don't we have that yet? By the way, why don't we have Johnny Five? <laughs> I, I was we were promised robots. Well, I I mean I got a robot that vacuums the floor. Yeah, but you don't have conversations with them, and they don't have smart comments, and you know I want that, but I want our talking boxes that tell us the weather when we wake up to also be a part of that vacuuming box, like go around. Oh, I'm vacuuming again. What a life I have <laughs> vacuuming your house every day. You want a grumpy. I want a grump. Uh, I want the uh, robot from hitchhiker's guide. Who's I want the depressed robot. It's like, what's the point of any of this? <laughs> Is that Melvin or Mar- no, it's Marvin. It's Marvin, the robot. Sorry. I should have known it's Marvin, not Melvin. Uh, yeah, I want a cranky robot that's like depressed about his manual labor life. And <laughs> it's going to go on strike at some point, unionize with the other labor robots. That's what's going to happen. Uh, it's a dark hole I just went down. Um, <laughs> but the Box Newsletter, you can sign up for it at Dig Me Out. Sign up for it at digmeoutpodcast.com and suggest your albums for a monthly album tournaments which i you know i just i took the plunge and i suggested a couple records jay i saw Um, that i saw those come through well because i was disappointed that the ruby record didn't get picked so i resuggested it since that is my uh prerogative yeah like bobby brown said and then i also suggested supergrass because for some reason we haven't talked about supergrass has supergrass even been in a poll i don't even know if it's been in a poll they have been pretty sure they have well can verify for sure but people better sure. rally behind my picks that's all i'm gonna say or there will be <laughs> hell to pay i'm gonna i'm gonna be i'm gonna be really really hurt if people don't pick my records uh or or there's yeah. a conspiracy against me somebody's rigging the vote against me and uh we can't trust it you know unless i'm in charge of it joe royland uh requested in for the money along with you Okay. Well, that's enough. We're doing that episode based on that. Two picks. Back in 2019. So it's time, folks. Come on. It's gonna, it's it's time. We deserve to talk about some super grass. Um lastly, Apple Podcasts is where you go to leave positive feedback for this program. Michael, thank you for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Okay. Enjoy the rest of your Saturday afternoon. While we uh, enjoy our Friday evenings. And for Jay, I'm Tim. We're out. We'll be back next week with another episode. Dig me out. Dig me out.